This is the Culture and Talent Podcast from Nemours Children's Health. Welcome back to our conversation around the Nemours core competencies. I'm Dr. Allison Kraft, the Associate Vice President of Culture and Talent, joined as always by my trusty colleague, Jared Narlock, our Strategic Culture and Talent Program Manager. Today, we're going to start our series of deep dives where we will help you explore how to translate the competencies into daily conversations for continued growth and development utilizing our SBI, Situation, Behavior, and Impact Model. Each of the competencies will have their own dedicated podcast episode. First up, Cultural Stewardship. So let's first talk about the definition. What do we mean when we say cultural stewardship? The official definition is, quote, embodies the cultural attributes of Nemours Children's Health through modeling the standards of behavior, demonstrating a commitment to the mission and vision, exhibiting decision-making reflective of the Nemours core values, and embracing a mindset of diversity and inclusion, end quote. As we alluded to last time, acumen and competency is an evolution, not an end state. Different roles, tenure, experiences, and daily demands may mean we see these competencies manifested in different ways. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Let's take a lesson from an unexpected source, fast food. So, Jared, what can all those times that we've had that guilty pleasure moment and pulled up to a fast food drive through teach us about thinking about core competencies? A lot of guilty moments for me, as you <laughs> share that. Uh, I do like different fast foods. And, and I'm attracted, though, to overall experience. And so when I look at fast foods, oftentimes I'll look and say, what's their level of service? Because that's always important to me. And so when I think about it from a competency standpoint, it's so interesting. And I think about what's the best service that I've seen. And there's a couple of places, but one that I know connects with a lot of people because I hear it is Chick-fil-A. And you think about Chick-fil-A and their experience. And I know that when I go there, I can expect someone to ask, what's my name? And they just have this welcoming environment of how they approach, how they greet, how they take down the pieces. And always then when, you know, you're done and you say, thank you. And they say, my pleasure. And so it's, it's very clear on what that looks like. And what's interesting about it is that whole experience that from a competency standpoint, that is a three that meets the competency for Chick-fil-A. And that's a big thing to remember because so often when it comes to core competencies, in any organization that I've talked with or you know had the opportunity to do a deep dive with with their competencies they've said it's so hard because in performance management for so many years it was got to get that top score of 1 to 5 and a 5 and that was actually something where competencies helped performance management the whole process was kind of broken and we got away from growing and developing and seeing that opportunity that you mentioned there to continue and no end result and not check the box being done. And so Chick-fil-A is that great example of where you look and say meets expectation each time is that to the point when I don't have that experience, I notice it. And I had that happen just recently. 
I pulled up and the person said, okay, what do you want? And I thought, whoa, they didn't ask for my name. That's different. And they don't seem to be too excited right now with that normal smile. And so I gave my order. And before I could even finish, they said, do you want anything else? And usually they're very much listening and patient and intentful. And I said, well, yeah, actually, I'd like this. Okay, anything else? And it felt very rushed. And then at the end, I said, thank you. They said, yeah, okay, you can move forward. It became very clear they weren't meeting expectation. Versus if I go to some of the other areas, my son, he loves McDonald's. And so if I get the normal Chick-fil-A experience at a McDonald's, I'm saying that's a five, you know, that was outstanding. But their normal experience of meets competencies was actually very similar to the what I considered a, a an off-brand experience for, for Chick-fil-A, where if I pull up and someone says, hey, how are you doing today? Can I get your, your name? Of course, that's not their, their process, but, you know, can I get your order? And I always take note when someone seems to be going above and beyond. And I'm thinking, wow, that's that's not the normal McDonald's experience of, okay, do you want more? Okay, do you want more? Pull around to the first window. Here you go. And I don't think anything of it because that's their meets expectations. And so you see both in the same industry, both the same drive-through experience as far as process of me driving my car but two very different experiences because of the way they process things. And so meet expectation for one organization, very different than meet expectation for another organization. It's, you know, one of those, those unique pieces of something that maybe you're not looking at on a regular basis, but when you start to dive into the competencies and you're thinking, hey, how do we really differentiate these? That's a, an example that comes to mind. And so as I think about that and as I reflect on how you're essentially doing the same thing, but your experience has been different. When we translate that to work, that is the criticality of coming with specific examples to be able to have the conversation during the check-ins, to be able to talk about when you did X, this meant you were meeting expectation, or when you did Y, you were really exceeding in that moment. And really it's a conversation, so it should be a relationship where both the leader is bringing that data back to say, Here's how I see that alignment, as well as the associate should be coming with their own examples because a leader's not going to see every moment of every single day. So it should really be a, a conversational framework. So I think we all are hungry now because we've been talking about fast food, but let's, let's translate that a little bit to what that could actually look like if you and I were having a check-in related to the core competencies. And we're going to start with cultural stewardship. And remembering that we really want you to think about talking about things within the framework of SBI, situation, behavior, and impact. Well, I'll be the first one to admit, it may feel a little clunky when you're first learning how to speak in a specific way, but just think about from a clinical context, right? We use SBAR, situation, background, assessment, recommendation, because that framework allows us to provide great patient care. Using a similar framework is going to allow us to have that consistency and feedback so that we're really growing and evolving together. So let's think about something we see daily at Nemours, and that is when we're in a patient care area, the first time we're doing an intake, the first time we're greeting a patient, one of the things we want to ask 
What's your preferred pronouns? We want to know those preferred pronouns so we're not misgendering people. We want our patients to feel like we care about them as individuals. And from a competency perspective, that's really showcasing our actions in alignment with cultural stewardship, specifically diversity and inclusion. So a great way to do this would be, Jared, let's say I'm giving you feedback. So I'm going to do the SBI. Situation. Yesterday, when you greeted the new patient who came in, you said good morning, asked for her to pronounce her name, and you asked her what her preferred pronouns were. And I'm saying her because I know the answer because the behavior of asking that question led to the impact of getting that feedback from that patient who said her preferred pronouns are she and hers, right? So we don't have to say situation behavior and impact as we're talking about it. I can easily say, Jared, let's talk about how you're doing with meeting expectations for cultural stewardship. Yesterday, I saw you greet the new patient. You asked a specific question about preferred pronouns. They gave you the feedback that they would like to be addressed as she and her. That really indicated that you were showcasing an investment and care in that patient. So again, it's just really that flow of being able to give those concrete examples so we know what we're talking about when we say meeting expectations and translating organizational speak and a competency to a real-life behavior that we see. So that's one example. But we know there's always going to be opportunities, right? We always have opportunities to evolve and grow. Maybe we could give our listeners an example of when we need to give feedback on improvement. Can you think of an example that might be helpful for people to think through? Yeah, this is an interesting one. And as you were sharing that example, it actually elicited a a thought in my mind about an experience that happened with my son. And so, as you know, Allison, my son has received ongoing medical care for about four to five years now. And so I'm happy to say in the last three years, that's been at Nemours and it's been outstanding care. And it was so interesting because it made me think about a time that he had to have his first sleep study before coming to Nemours. And he has had seizures and has uh, been diagnosed with focal point epilepsy. And so this was an opportunity when we talk about cultural stewardship, one of the behaviors is take responsibility for your own mistakes, does not blame others. And it was so interesting because he got to do a 48 hour sleep study at home. And if you've ever had a sleep study, they, they put the pieces on your head and they have to put this goo on there. And so he said it did not feel good. But we came back after 48 hours for them to take it off. And I remember the individual that was taking it off. And she said, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. Let me let me look on his chart and see who put this on. They did a horrible job. Oh, you're going to be washing his hair all night. I can't believe they did this. And I remember sitting there thinking, whoa, that's your team member. Number one. Number two. My son cannot wait to get this off. And now he's hearing you say he's got to go home and wash his hair. And so the situation was that experience of him coming back, this team member essentially throwing the other team member under the bus. And guess what? That wasn't the first time my son had to have a sleep study there. And so we were thinking about that next time and he was worried about it. So the behavior was essentially managing down another team member and their work and what they had done in the situation. And then the impact was a few different things. My son was nervous about it. As soon as we left, he said, Dad, do you think it's really going to take a long time? How many times are we going to have to go through washing my hair? Do I have to do that again? He was really nervous about it. And we did have to do it one more time there. 
And it was tough because then the first time he had it at Nemours, he was very nervous about it. But, and I'm excited to say this, being a, a team member at Nemours, it was such a different experience. In fact, I remember one of the times that he had to have it done at Nemours, it appeared that there was a lot in there. And I remember the way the team member handled it so much differently. And she said, oh, my team member that did this wanted to make sure these stick and did a wonderful job. They, they certainly put a lot in here. So you know what? I want to make sure you don't have to spend a lot of time washing your hair. I've got this treatment. We're going to do it right now. It's going to make it so easy. And I remember my son looking at me smiling like, dad, this is so much better. And we walked out of there and he said, Dad, it feels so different. And I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, okay, we definitely need to wash your hair because it's been 48 hours, but there's no, you know, sticky stuff in there. And so same interaction, of course, two different organizations, but you see situation behavior impact where if I was coaching that first team member, I would have said, hey, think about the perspective of the child in that situation. And by the way, that was the first time he had to do that. And he had to do that multiple times over that length of care and where it was at. And then the behavior of now we're coming back hoping. And I remember him saying that the second time, I hope it's not that one person from last time. And, you know, the first person that put on who did a good job, they all uh, stood in place. And so I think that's a, a key piece of when we look at situation behavior impact, if I'm that leader and I've observed that, or, you know, I, I've understood that that interaction has happened, you know, I'm coaching, I'm coaching that individual to say, Hey, think about, you know, number one, your opportunity to manage up here. And what does this truly look like in owning it? Because in the moment your team member wasn't there. Yes. They may have done that 48 hours ago, but you all in the patient's eyes are one and the interactions are together. And so how do you create a consistently good to great experience for that patient? And then yes, if it wasn't done well, you can always follow back up and give that feedback to your team member and let them know what that does to the patient so that you can work on that great outcome together. And I think that's a key piece to elaborate on with this opportunities is I get the question sometimes, and I know you do, Allison, of leaders and associates saying, hey, when we have check-ins and we're talking about competencies, whether it's associate to associate just connecting on it or associate to leader, how do we dive into that? Because I see cultural stewardship. I see the behaviors defined. I understand the definition, but how do we bring it to life? And like what you brought forward, what I brought forward, it's those examples. And so leader, be looking for what are some of the common examples? You may not have a specific example for every single team member, but you certainly have some themes based on the work that your team is doing to be able to bring in and explore. And then for associates, bring in those examples of real time of how you see that like in that instance, for the associate at Nemours coming forward and saying, hey, here's how I'm ensuring that we're meeting these expectations around cultural stewardship. When I have this occur and it's this, I've done this piece over here to make sure that that child's hair isn't sticky and they feel good and they know it's a good experience. And if there's a gap there and where it needed to be from the person that did it, I follow up with them. And so that's something that I encourage leaders is keep a notes piece on what are some of those common examples to bring up, see where it resonates, see where it connects. If you have direct feedback or examples for fellow associates, 
jump into those, of course, and for associates, be thinking about that. And that's a great thing about our system within Harmony. You can go in, you can document notes at any time. So maybe you're thinking, oh, I remember last time I was talking with Allison about this and she mentioned bringing some examples forward. This would be a good one. I'm going to go make a note of it. Thanks for that, Jared. And I, I really do value that ability to document along the way. Once you get into the conversation, it can sometimes be a memory palace episode where you're trying to dig through all those thoughts. And so being able to keep track of it, I think is important. And sort of the final thought we'll leave our listeners with is, right, that was one example of representing cultural stewardship. The importance of bringing in the examples is it's the start of the conversation. It opens up the door to explore, to give feedback, both positive and negative. But unless we have something tangible to hold on to so I can see, I can understand what it looks like, the conversation and the dialogue and the feedback is not going to be as meaningful. So keep in mind, situation, behavior, impact is the start of the conversation, and then you can build and evolve from there. With that, that is a good couple of examples related to cultural stewardship. Obviously, we want to make sure that we visit each of the core competencies and offer some examples of both positive and opportunistic feedback so that as you are all thinking about assessing yourself on your self-evaluation, or if you're a leader who's going to give direct feedback that we make sure it's meaningful. So next time we will do a deep dive into relationship management. But for now, thank you for your time and investment in the Nemours Core Competencies, and we will talk to you next time. The Nemours Culture and Talent Podcast is produced and edited by Carol Vassar Media Productions for Nemours Children's Health. Music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. Your questions, comments, and ideas about the podcast are welcome. Just email podcast at nemours.org. That's podcast at nemours.org. Find this and our flagship podcast, Champions for Children, on your favorite podcast app. And thanks for listening.